Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on our coverage with everybody's favourite real-time show, 24, and we are into the 10th episode, episode 10, the 10th episode, 9am <laughs> to 10am. Don't know why I went with that one, Ben. Good job. Uh, this was written by Lawrence Herzog, directed by Davis Guggenheim, first aired on the 5th of February 2002, and this is an episode of 24. Stuff happens, <laughs> and there's a clock, it ticks, Jack Bauer's in it, um, Derry Bauer's in it, Kim Bauer's in it, and I think maybe we have our first Real filler episode of 24. I don't know. Um, this season's been going great. It's been picking up. But then we have an episode like this where it's there. Stuff happens. We meet Ted. We meet a Drazen and stuff. So, yes, you can tell the tone of my voice is uh, very... <laughs> Uh, on this episode of 24. Um, I will start off by saying, Hey, it's Ted's friend from business school. And I think I need to talk to your daddy. Um, and I came unprepared for a quote. Uh, hold on. Twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'm Ted Koffel, but uh, <laughs> Ted Koffel is a robot. Longest <laughs> day of my life. Twenty-four. Jack. All right, <clears throat> ready. <clears throat> and this is Dave Thompson in Jetcopter Three. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Dave Thompson. Um. Yeah, look, I, I don't dislike this episode. I'm coming out like maybe this is a bad episode. I don't think this is a bad episode. It's just it's such a filler episode. Um, I mean, oh, is it ever? There's like I'm I'm thinking ahead to some really filler episodes of this season because this is the thing we've talked about how 24 kind of is generally a show in three parts. You know, you've got three set acts. Um, you're always going to have filler moments. It's a 24-episode show. Most shows at this point in US network television are only 22 episodes, so you've only got mm -hmm. two more. It's real time, so they kind of have to stretch things out a little bit. But, um, yeah, this this to me, I, I know you've been to couple. I've rented a couple, but th this is definitely standard 24 filler. Not a bad episode, but just, <laughs> you know, you talk about not remembering episodes because of the weird titles. I, I'm, I, if we talk about this episode in like season three, then I'll buy us all a pony. Um, <laughs> which, sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think uh, we were recording something else last night and I sort of teased like, oh, we're going to have fun with this one. Because I kept expecting this would be the typical bit where I'm like, this episode is bad. And you're like, I really liked it. But I'm glad <laughs> that you're a little more indifferent. Uh what's weird is that i binned last week's episode 
which definitely had a lot more going on, with, but was just stupid and silly. Mm. This one isn't so much stupid and silly. It's just dull. Uh, but I might have enjoyed it slightly more than last week in a weird way. Wow. And I think it's just it, it's just because of the humor that I think exists in how boring this episode is. Uh, I'm going to read through my notes, which summarize Jack's entire plot mm. for the second half of this episode. Who's Ted Koffel? Is Ted Koffel there? I'm an old friend of Ted Koffel's. Hey, I'm here to see Ted Koffel. Did Ted Koffel leave yet? Oh, are you Ted Koffel's driver? Where to, Mr. Koffel? That is the second half of the episode. Like, We need a count on how many Ted Koffel's we hear in this episode because that's all that it is. Yeah. And, oh, well, I can't wait till we get to David's story. I mean, that's going to be even better bomber drama in front of kids. <laughs> yeah, it's... I just think like that's the perfect summary of Jack. Um, I like, <laughs> I like the drama of CTU, which literally revolves around at one point just random shot of Miles reacting to something, um, <laughs> and then we just have like a back and forth of like there's there's one sequence where it's literally Tony walks to desk, Tony walks back from desk, <laughs> Nina looks over at Tony, Tony answers phone. Um, again, like you, this is one of those rare shows where you kind of. Like I kind of excuse this because you, if you want that real-time aspect, and again, we've talked about how Kiva Sutherland's even said you've got to suspend disbelief. Like This is not going to be the most realistic real-time thing you're ever going to have. You have to kind of not believe some things. But they go out of their way to make it as realistic as possible when it comes to that real-time aspect. I mean, this is one of those episodes where you get a shot of somebody looking at their watch or they mention the time. Like That, to me, was is amazing. And I, I can't wait when we, you know, maybe get some behind the scenes guys on this show. Like how do you constantly work that real time aspect into it to go? Okay. Everyone at this point, it's going to be 10 3 AM. We have to point that out. Like, I think it's very clever mm-hmm. that you try and attempt that, but there are certain aspects to this where it's like, okay. Um, Palmer sits on the floor with kids. I need to speak to your daddy. It's just, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, Again, we just, you know, what's really funny is we recap the whole episode right yeah, there. Done. We're done. We, we, we are done. <laughs> we are done. One thing, um, which I, I did a bit on uh, some of our other shows, mainly Third Watch, because, um, you know, Third Watch was our least, I guess, uh, covered show by any form of media out there. We, you know, still stand by. We're the only podcast or any form of medium that's ever recapped every episode of Third Watch, let alone ranked the episodes. So we would go on to IMDb. And sort them so we could go, okay, these are, this is where IMDb users rank this episode overall. Uh, so I found the 24 uh, one on IMDb because, again, there's actually not a list on any website that I can find where they rank all the episodes of 24. They've got rank the seasons and Screen Rant have uh, best and worst episodes of 24. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I haven't quite looked where this episode lands on the best 24 episodes of all time list on IMDb, according to users, but maybe I'll find out. Give me a guess, Colin, out of 198 episodes, 193 episodes of 24. And again, I don't know if this includes uh, 24 Legacy, probably doesn't. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, where would, you, where would you have a guess that this ends up on? Um, well, I was in the middle of searching, as you said that, but I haven't finished the search yet, so this is blind. But I'm, I'm going to say it should be probably sub 100. But one of the things that I'm going to make a case for throughout this season is uh, just the, 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 the love that everybody has, no matter what the show is, 
for uh, first seasons. First seasons have to be the best. And I think I said at least once in a season so far, I don't think this is going to end up being the best season. I don't think it's even necessarily, maybe won't even be a top three season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, I think that the, the fact that fans, you know, will typically lean towards, oh, the first season is always the best. I'm going to guess this one's probably close to the top 50, which it would be sad if it is. Which you kind of are, right? Like most shows, they do kind of say that, don't they? Like, oh, no matter what this is, it's going to be number one, Um, which, yeah. And like, like, I'm going to be different when it comes to ranking season one for for sure. Um, Maybe this episode doesn't exist on the ratings. I can't actually find it. (laughs) I'm I'm looking right now. I'm up to 125 and I've yet to find it. So uh... I'm I'm typing in 9 a.m., uh, so, which there should be what? There should be eight, nine AMs, right? <laughs> uh, I found it. Okay. What number are we? Uh, so 142. Ah. So yeah, I think that's, that's, that's fair. That's actually, you know, uh, around what I think it should have landed at. So obviously not the most loved episode of the most loved season. And the reason I can't find it is because I didn't realize there was a second page. Thanks for that, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am going, this episode doesn't exist. It's so forgettable yeah. that nobody wants to rank it. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, this is in the lowest 25%. No, you're wrong though, Colin. What did you say? hundred and what? 142 is 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Oh, season one. According to my list, 142 is day four, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. What? How do we have different you, user rating lists on IMDb? What does it say? It, it says this is an 8.3 on IMDb, right? Uh, maybe. Hang on. Um, let me find it. Great, great podcasting here, folks. Um, uh, <laughs> well, we no. got to stretch it. Come on. How much are we going to say about Ted Kofel this okay, week? Okay, I've got 161. Uh, did you say 8.3? Uh, season one, episode 10. And, an eight and I've got, but that I've doesn't make sense because the one, number then 162 is a higher ranking. What? Well, how have I ranked this? What's going yeah, on? I've got oh, number 161. There oh, you go. Let's try come that on, again. Ben. <laughs> sort by popularity. Okay. Well, you could also trust me because I'm the smart one here. <laughs> true. Well, you know. Well, according to this, number one is 24 Redemption, and that's got a 7.5. Yet 24 episodes, season one. Okay, well, according to this list, next week's episode is the best episode of 24. <laughs> Season uh, one, episode 11 is the highest. No, but that's not true either because it's got high. Not on my list either. I'm, I'm sorting by ratings. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm doing popularity. Oh, IMDb rating. Oh, there we go. Ah. Popularity would just be, I guess, based on how many people rate it maybe. Ben so, Lens, yeah, user ratings, is this is 142. There we go. Okay. There we go. Season one, episode 24 is the most popular, uh, the highest rated episode of 24. I see it now. Um, and then season two episode. I don't want to spoil these straight away, Ben. What are you doing? But yeah, well, it's going to take us a couple of years before we get to number two. Well, so. <laughs> I'm just we're looking here. According to the top 10, they've only got one day one episode in the top 10. That's surprising. Um yeah. 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 And you already spoiled which one it is, so. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> that to me would be the stand. Like, honestly, if you had said to me, Ben, what do you think is the highest rated episode of 24? If I, off the top of my head, I could list yeah. like five and episode 24 of this season would be in there. It's, it's like mm-hmm. if right now I asked you to rank all your favorite episodes of 24, you're probably going to have that, um, you know, up there. But looking at Screen Rant... You can tell we're stretching for time, people, because like you know, there's not much to talk in this one. Because um, Screen Rant's got five best, five worst. So their best, spoiler alert, is episode 24 of this season. Um, their worst is day eight, 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. 
Oh, uh, garbage. See, look, it goes to show how much I remember season, anything past the fir- the fourth episode of season six, um, which is a general 24 fans, uh, I'm going to black those ones out of my head and not, I only remember the small parts. Uh, I don't even remember that episode. I remember Katie Sackhoff does make, eventually make an appearance in 24, which is amazing because we love Katie Sackhoff. Um, do you remember Katie Sackhoff was in 24? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think I had seen her on Twenty Four before. I, I I was never like diehard into Battlestar Galactica, but I knew her from Battlestar Galactica. But when she appeared on that, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember her from Twenty Four. I think to me it was Nip Tuck was uh, the first thing I ever saw her in. Um, which again, we don't need to go over that crap. But uh, anyway, uh, looking here, can we can we can we uh, take another sidebar on Katie Sackhoff just to explain how great she I'm is? I'm always uh, happy to take a sidebar <laughs> on Katie Sackhoff. I, I, let's talk all about Katie. We're, we're seven seasons away from talking about Katie Sackhoff. I don't care. Uh, any excuse? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't even start watching Battlestar Galactica until the show was long off the air, which was probably maybe about five, six years ago. Uh, but uh, another thing that I saw her in, um, maybe before 24, maybe after, I can't remember, uh, was there was a short-lived TV show uh, remake of The Bionic Woman. Did you ever watch that? Oh, yeah. Mo- Molly Price, uh, a.k.a. Faith Yokus from Third Watch, was one of the main stars in that show. So that's the only reason I watched it, because yeah. I knew she was in it. Yeah. <laughs> And Katie Sackhoff played uh, a, a, maybe about three or four episodes. She played like the the evil bionic woman. It was just amazing. So uh, let's just let's get Katie Sackhoff on the show. Hundred one, not hundred thousandth episode, which you've probably already heard. We, we, that was months ago, Colin. <laughs> what a great episode when we got Katie Sackhoff on. Remember? Oh, when well, we got uh, Katie Sackhoff, yeah. You know, what's, you know what's gonna be really awkward is that the fact that we're recording these so many months in advance. We've pro- we probably got like I don't know Pierce Brosnan on or like fucking Tom yeah. Cruise made an appearance. Like we we're probably at the we're probably at the world's biggest podcast um, based on our guests for our month. And here we are just plugging along, going. Oh, imagine if we got Katie Sackoff on. It's like every week we're like, oh, yeah, no, I've really got no. Marilyn Manson wants to come on and do a tell-all. Oh, no, we've got a, we're, we're, we've got um, you know, the or, Mandalorian on. We've got Baby Yoda on. <laughs> or I'll go the other way and like, you know what? Rossi decided to retire and Katie Sackoff has taken his place. She's a co-host on the show. Exactly. She's been here for months. Tom Cruise is now the host of the. <laughs> <laughs> Of GSWTC odds. <laughs> Guys, I finally decided to come out and uh, it's on the show that should have been called this and I, I'm a long-term listener and I, that's my Tom Cruise impersonation. It's, it's like you're in the room with him. Um, like oh, it's, amazing. it's beautiful. It yeah, re- really is. Um, so we've taken about, uh, what, 15 minutes not talking about this episode, <laughs> talk about the future, um, the ranking episode. I'm seeing here that there are no day one episodes on the worst episodes of uh, 24 according to Screen Rant. So, uh, yes, but there, no, good choices on uh, Screen Rant for the best ones, at least. I just can't remember the worst ones. So, um, this episode. Um, I, I Seriously, I'm not going to be in this episode. I don't know about you, um, but I just want to point that out. Like, I, I feel that I've got a real criteria for a binnable episode of 24. Like, I think, and I just, I can't think of any from season one that are binnable. But again, I could be wrong. Um, so again, did you watch last week? <laughs> I did. It was goodish. Um, so um, twenty-four kind of contradicts itself at the beginning of this episode by "Hi, this is blah blah blah, pie in the sky chopper. Look at the traffic. <laughs> it's bumper to bumper." And I'm like, "Is it? Is it really?" We're watching cars going eighty kilometers down the freeway. Yeah, like, like, legitim- for miles. we legitimately see here, like, standard LA traffic, right? This is what the world of 24 wants us to believe that this is a thing. Yet, Jack Bauer later on doesn't get a single car. He can get from point A to point B to meet <laughs> Ted Kofel in like 15 minutes. Um, 
Yeah, so, and the other thing that kind of frustrates me a little bit about this episode is that they just don't give a shit about last week's cliffhanger. Like, it, it's like oh, that no didn't kidding. even happen. <laughs> like, we it, literally, it, yeah. The very first thing I noted here was Jack seems pretty calm for a guy who's speeding away from the scene <laughs> after jumping out the back window that nobody was covering. Well, it's it's not even that. It's the it's the the whole cliffhanger when Gaines is ringing Jamie. They're like, oh, Jamie's bleeding to death. Gaines is calling. What are we going to do? Next minute, mm. oh, Jamie's just getting wheeled off to hospital. No one cares. We get like what? We don't get Gaines until barely one scene, like 40 minutes into this episode. And it's literally him texting Jamie going, where are you? Status update. Like, the, the point of the last week was like, oh, what are they going to do? He's calling to find out what's happening for Jamie, but she's bleeding on the floor dead. And they're just like, oh, well, we've got about that. Let's move on. Like, that storyline was the Janet of uh, last week. Yeah. Like, you know, she's there, but you forget about it quickly. It's the it's the bomb on a 747. I think everyone in 24, okay, here's a, here's a thing I just realised, Colin. This whole amnesia storyline that comes this season makes sense now because the writers have amnesia of this season. <laughs> uh, we already said they had no plans going in what they were going to do. They made it up as they went along. Which... Um, What's his name? Uh, Andrew uh, Geller. Andrew Geller <laughs> was yep. the guy. He was the memory. Yep, if Andrew exactly. Geller was around, everybody would know. They'd be like, oh, wait. Andrew Geller would be like, wait a second. Jamie's <laughs> phone was just ringing. But instead we get, you know, amnesiac Tony Almeida. It's like, what? What? No phone. I don't know what you're talking about. Who's Jamie? And then, and then Jack the whole time's calling him like Tonio and Nini. It's like, no, we, yeah. we scrapped that, Kiefer. <laughs> what? Damn it. Um... But, like, it's it's kind of even this situation here where, like, Jamie's being wheeled away. Do they not have, like, a back entrance of CTU or, like, a, you know, somewhere private? Do they have to wheel out bleeding to death Jamie in front of every single office worker who's like, oh, that's Jamie, she's bleeding. To which Nina, so, so 2001, 2002, whatever it is, you know, hi, everyone, Jamie just tried to kill herself. I know this is hard, but let's get back to work. <laughs> It would have been even better if she tried to cover for it. She's like, so Jamie's a little under the weather as her, like, arm is flopping out, dripping blood down the hallway. (laughs) But it's like, and didn't we get the whole thing about Kyle is, like, there? So, like, what if Kyle's just standing at, like, Jenny's desk playing Minesweeper (laughs) while they wait? Hi, everyone. Um, Bad news. Jamie tried to kill us. Oh, shit, Kyle's there. Fuck. Um, Mummy... He's he's sick. She's laying down. Cover her wrists. Cover her wrists. Well, Kyle's on top of her, like flopping around. Mommy, mommy, look at this. Look at this. I swear there's like a blood trail along the main floor of CGU the way they dragged her out. Um, like, no care. The, the, the office was a different place in 2001. Like, colleagues just killing themselves. And, like, you know, think about your office, Colin. I'm sure if, like, you were there and somebody tried to kill themselves, like, I reckon you're probably all going to get sent home, particularly if it's, like, in the middle of your office. Like, Mental health days are a thing now. Literally, yeah. like, everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. And then Nina's just like, get back to work. And they were to sit down. <laughs> she starts getting on the phone. Jack, what are you doing? Where are you going? Um, and like, I mean, really, though, who was close with Jamie in this company? Um, Well, Jack thought Walsh. he could trust her. Walsh. Yeah, Walsh. Her yeah, and Walsh were that's sleeping it. together. So two people. Yeah. I mean, in reality, they're like, Jamie has tried to take her life. And in the background, you got like 16 people. Yes. (laughs) 
One promotion. Step up the I'm getting promoted. <laughs> you know, um, Milo's okay with this. I'm collecting her paycheck now. No way they could turn me down for that pay bump. <laughs> you know the other thing too, like how we mentioned about like the news and like Marine Kingsley's not going to go to air because there's been an assassination attempt. I think I might need to take that back. Journalists in 24 suck because like <laughs> when we've got this like, hey, it's pie in the sky weather, like and still news. Uh, yes, the incident involving David Palmer. So like. This guy got dragged off stage by Secret Service, and yet the journalists are going, yes, and we're still unsure of what had happened this morning. Like, fuck, like, this is... They were clearly, all there! This is clearly a pre-9-11 world. Like, it's, you know... Remember the good old days when assassination attempts were swept under the rug and you just go to a school and read them a story? Oh, the good old days of, of the Actually, world. you know what? I don't know if you're going to connect the dots, but when we get to uh, story time with the Palmers... Uh, there's a nice 9-11 connection to that. Yeah, no, I actually was thinking that. I, I was yeah. thinking that too. Why didn't they edit that out of the episode like they edited the scene of the plane blowing up? Oh, that's right, because we yeah. forgot about that. Like, the trauma that people have watching 9-11 of Bush sitting there with his, like, gentle head nod. Like, in all seriousness, <laughs> it's an iconic moment of 9-11. Like, it, it, you yeah. watch all the documentaries. Everyone always shows the footage of when George W. Bush is, like, being whispered in the ear. Who is that Secret Service agent who whispered in? Like, do you think he goes around telling his kids, like, I was a Secret Service agent who wish, whispered in Bush's ears that 9-11 was happening. Like, hey. Um, what do you think he said? Like, Mr. President, a plane is like, Mr. President, we're fucked. Uh, just <laughs> pretend things are normal. Uh, but today, it's going to be the longest day of your life. And Bush said, I would, I would no. love it even more if what he said had nothing to do with love. Mr. President, they're out of brand muffins in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President... Kid number three in aisle two there just shat himself. <laughs> <laughs> see, people can't see us right now. We're doing the, the bush nod. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's going to be fun actually when we get to, I think it's like season four when 24 actually became a topic of like almost presidential discussion in the US mm. uh, when it comes to things around 9-11. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um so, yes, no one cares about Palmer being assassinated because he's about to just get on with his day. And, again, Secret Service really aren't that good in this in this world because, again, if you've got a threat against a presidential candidate's life, he literally has a moment where somebody has tried to kill him. They know it's a government agent who has escaped custody. You are going to keep Palmer in his hotel. He ain't going anywhere. Uh, all government agencies are going to be told that Jack Bauer is a rogue agent, which again, like, I love this where Nina's like, oh, everyone, Jamie just tried to kill herself, but there's still a threat against Palmer's life, so back to work. Like, everyone in this office, this is the counter-terrorist unit, they're like, they're bored, um, they're like, they're just chilling, Milo's going to be having, you know, the slow day, but again, a 747 has been blown up by terrorists, a rogue government agent who just happens to be your leader is on the loose, and the only people who know he's not actually evil are the people who are helping him. Like, Alberta Green, you're slow, love. 45 minutes <laughs> to come into CTU. Fucking every Interpol, Longer. FBI, the DEA, the, their drugs, but whatever. Every government agency should be in CTU right now. <laughs> locking The things. DEA, the, the ATF. <laughs> <laughs> The, the tax department. Uh, <laughs> the IRS. The Society of Protection of Cruelty to Animals. Like, everyone should be in there. Parent-Teacher Parent Council. <laughs> um, the American Dental Association. <laughs> uh, 
American mothers against George Bush should be in there. Like, um, fuck, everyone can, should be there. <laughs> can I give you the best thing? I can't even contain it any longer. I'm going to give you the best thing about Palmer drama this week. We all know, yes, he should be locked up somewhere in a bunker. There was an assassination attempt on him. They know that there is a man with a gun who tried to kill the senator. What's their next plan? Let's put the children in the line of fire? <laughs> Why are they going to kindergarten? Somebody's trying to kill the man. <laughs> and like, okay, they went to a breakfast at a power plant, which the security was through the roof, right? I don't see Aaron with him in this limo. I don't see any secret <laughs> service. They get, what are they like? Ah, oh, fucking kids. Like, why? Okay. <laughs> Let's point some plot holes here in the Drazen's plan because we meet a Drazen this week. We, you know, Gaines, like, fucking, it's America. Kids shoot up schools all the time. Give little Jimmy yeah. here. He's like, my daddy thinks a black person won't ever be president. Well, son, tell your daddy he's going to be wrong. It's like, my daddy's never wrong. Pulls out a gun, pops yeah. it in the head. <laughs> yeah. Done. Come on, we all saw Columbine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? God, don't they watch Michael Moore documentaries? Come on. Um, Yeah, so lots of little plot holes here. <laughs> um. I think let's let's just get all the Palmer drama out of the way. Um, <laughs> I'm going all over the place. Palmer reads a book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what book is it, too? Because I could not follow the storyline of this book. I don't know. Uh, is it like that famous book from 9-11 that like made it to the New York? Because this is a book that President Bush was reading kids in Florida when he was told about 9-11. I just want it to be like Dr. Seuss's JFK assassination. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> hit the president. <laughs> do, do, do you think the author of that book that Bush was reading during 9-11 is the only happy person besides Osama bin Laden that 9-11 happened? Like, <laughs> some struggling author. It's like, fuck, what am I going to do? Oh, shit. And then all of a sudden, he's got a bit of a break. Like, okay, John, your book's going to be spread at elementary schools. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. That'll get me a bit of money. And then just happens to be on that day, George Bush has walked into the room and, like, ah, kids, I'm George Bush, president. Hi, Mr. President. All right, kids, what are we reading here? All right, here's this book. Oh, I don't know what this is. I'm going to read it to you. Five minutes later, 9-11. And then, of course, the just, oh, what book was Bush reading? And then he said, you know, author's woken up. He's turned on the TV. Oh, fuck, this is terrible. 9-11. Oh, no, this is going to change the world. <laughs> Next minute, like, phone's ringing. It's your publisher. G'day, Jim. How you going? Good. You'll never guess what happened. Bush was reading your book and 9-11 happened. You've got a number one of the New York Post. Success! <laughs> you know, we have spent years saying, like, oh, we're, we hate to bring up 9-11 again. <laughs> then 24 happened. It has become the topic of every episode. I mean, we kind of got to avoid it. Like, it's kind of like on, on Third Watch when we do the 9-11 episodes. Oh, let's avoid the, you know, the elephant in the room. <laughs> Why is that firefighter crying? Her dad died. Oh, nothing happened. Just happened to be an accident <laughs> off screen. Um, but so Palmer's reading a book at a school. Um, there's a bit of Palmer drama in the, the limo on the way there, which I have to say, I do like this moment. This may be my favorite moment of the episode. Like, Sherry again at full, like, Sherry. Um, and again, speaking sense. Like, yeah, like she's legitimately like, you know, David, we can't do this. Like, you you know, what are you doing? Like Marines putting the story on hold. Like your life was just, you know, we need to be focused on this. And basically like Palmer's like, no, I don't care. I'm going to tell the truth. And I'm sorry. Like, I like you, Mike, but Mike, you're shit here too. Like Sherry, David's right. Like we can use the assassination attempt for leverage. Like what? Hi everyone. I'm David Palmer. Um, I nearly died. So please ignore the fact that my son probably killed someone and vote for me in this November for your president. (laughs) 
I mean, obviously, primaries became a much bigger deal after this. I mean, I, I yeah. kind of remember them like I was too young to really follow politics, but I remember them being very newsworthy in the the, the 90s. Um, but it was post-24 when it got to the point where, you know what, if you scream, if you do a Dean screen, there you go, you're done. So it, it probably ages worse knowing how much dirtier primaries did become because I don't think there's a single person alive. As much as any fan out there may love David Palmer, say, I wish that we had a David Palmer in real life. Nobody is going to vote for a guy who comes out in the middle of a primary and says, my son was attempted a murder and it was covered up, but don't worry about it. He's yeah. innocent. Yeah. And like I, 24 was probably my first ever real like, a taste of what this is like primary because i remember watching this like for the first time i'm like what 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 is this what are they doing and then i i remember that scream incident because david letterman used to always make fun of it and then my probably the biggest one was the whole obama versus hillary thing in 2008 because i was like what is this i was so confused it's like, it like mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense why is it such a big deal they're not even voting for president yet um <laughs> but nowadays it's like it's it's as big as a presidential election right like um it's kind of it's such a drawn out process but um yeah, like, you're right. Like, no one's going to vote for him. And this is like, if this was 2021, and let's, like, say Obama had never been president, and this was the first real, like, African-American with a shot, like, maybe they would be a bit more, you know, on that side of things. But, again, not to make out that 2001 was racist, but 2001 was more racist than it is now. Like, yeah. are they really going to be forgiving this guy? Like, if anything, it's probably going to be the other way around. Like, this guy will fart in the wrong way. Oh, no, get rid of him. Back to the white yeah. people. Like, that's what 2001 was like. Um, back that to the fart white smells people. of garlic no way am i voting for a man who farts garlic but like i will say i i, I like this moment when um when palmer's like my mistake to make and then like sherry speaks sense like no this is like affecting everyone and then like this is great acting by both dennis haysbert and penny johnson gerald but the way he's like don't you go against me promise you won't defy me sherry or you know and i love sherry's response like I can't promise you anything. It's like, ooh, and then she gets out of the limo and she smiles. Like, hi, kids. (laughs) Everyone's favorite future first lady, Sherry Palmer. I'm a good girl. But, like, that sums up her character. Like, this is where people talk about, like, oh, Sherry's evil. She goes against David. And it is shocking. But at the same time, this moment kind of sums up Sherry. Like, you know, I can't promise you anything. And... she's going to do some shit. So, (laughs) so good. Um, Palmer's reading a book. Um, Sherry's on the phone to, um, what's his face? Um, Carl, we see him for the first time in a while. And I love this sinister Carl meeting that he's got sitting around a room with white businessmen looking evil. Um, stroking a cat. <laughs> they may as well be, uh, like, this is like, the, this is the fucking specter meeting here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like uh, in the camera work in this episode, it's very like, in your face like you know these people are evil because they're zoomed in on their face with a bit of blur on the side so you can't see everyone um and then basically sherry's like oh no david's gonna go ahead and carl's like don't worry sherry i'll take over it <laughs> number <laughs> that two was very seductive. <laughs> yeah, don't is. worry sherry i'll take care of it we'll take care and i'll share like i don't know if i understand what you're saying <laughs> like it's very it's a bit cartoonish but for some reason i actually <laughs> like sherry being cartoonish and then we get, we like sherry doing anything oh sherry could read me the lotto numbers and i'm thinking it's the best thing ever um let's be honest that's why i'm not binning this episode because sherry's on point this episode sherry then- could fart garlic and we love it <laughs> Sherry could do 9-11 and I'm on board. I'm, I'm team Sherry. Like, yeah, Sherry. 
Good on you. Blow up another building. Um, <laughs> why not? Um, but yeah, Palmer's reading a book. Mike's like, yes, your number one benefactor's on the phone. Well, tell him I'm busy. He says it's urgent. <laughs> like, you're li- like, they're probably live on like CNN, like presidential hopeful David Palmer reads Spot the Dog to East 17 West Elementary. Um, and then like he gets up and basically this guy's chucking a hissy fit. Like, I hear that you're going to kill someone for the evidence. I don't like this. I'm not giving you money. Um, which, okay, without going too spoilery, this plot continues develops and yet Palmer somehow eventually might get a promotion into a bigger office <laughs> in a future season. So this guy really is just bullshitting, right? Unless Palmer's got like 38 other benefactors on the board. Like, oh, Amazon said no. Fucking Elon Musk. How you doing, mate? SpaceX yeah. want to be my number one? Like, clearly this doesn't affect him in the slightest. So read your book, Palmer. Like, <laughs> think read of the children. Book. Think of the children. Read your book. Won't somebody please think of the children? <laughs> um, and I think the only other thing of note here is, I mean, you kind of, I mean, all jokes aside, this little scene between Palmer and this kid is kind of cute. Like, you know, like, <laughs> my dad says your shit might be president. <laughs> I think I need to have a word of your daddy. And it's like, oh, and he says a black man will never be president. Well, between you and I, I think your dad and I would, like, I want, Let's spoiler alert, Palmer becomes president. I want them to feature this kid in like season two. Go like, hi dad. Hi hi John. How's your day? Good. Palmer said to say that you were wrong. <laughs> that bastard, I'm never what? voting for him again. Assassination attempt number two. <laughs> like this guy's pride hurts. He can never be wrong. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, that's Palmer drama. Um, yeah, not a lot there, huh? Yeah, Palmer um, reads a book, tells the kid he's wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do really want Palmer to have a different response to this kid, though. When it, Especially when they're talking about, like, oh, I played basketball at Georgetown. My dad says Georgetown sucks. Like, Your dad can suck it, kid. <laughs> Young man. <laughs> I just want Palmer to slap this kid. <laughs> Your dad but did then you, even the kid... Even the kid where it's like, oh, black man will never be president. I mean, he handles that. that he handles that like a politician. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, just between you and me, I want to change that. And uh, <laughs> I want you to let your dad know I'm going to do everything in my power to uh, make sure he's wrong. But, you know, kids are not going to translate things in the most diplomatic fashion. He's going, Palmer said that you're an idiot. <laughs> what? No way am I voting. Like, Palmer just cost himself a vote from <laughs> a person who was very concerned about a black man holding office. So, uh <laughs> Not very good work there, Palmer. Uh, Start off good. Um, I do want to say, I, 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 they obviously were going for the George W. Bush, you know, book reading thing with this. I mean, there's no other reason you would put them in. Uh, I mean, that footage had that been out at that point. I mean, well, I was it's obviously say, like I don't know if this episode was filmed before or after 9/11. I mean, it aired in February, uh, and again, we know that obviously it would have been- to have been filmed. Before, I, I, I reckon think. it would have been after because, um, you know, oh, yeah, they were, I think they only did the first four, didn't they, before they even got picked up for more. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, the show was ready to go. It was supposed to debut even earlier. So I'm yeah. going to guess this is after. But uh, it's obvious that's what they're going for. But it's actually quite powerful. I think because you you know that moment 
Mm. Uh, and, and if people didn't know it, you know, and you watch it now, I mean, it's one of the few things of Palmer drama that actually works this week. Yeah. Uh, just that moment where he's, he's getting the call and, mm, okay. Uh, but the, this sponsor guy, I mean, I think you, you had mentioned that the, the sponsor guy wanted to pull out because they wanted to have somebody killed or something like that. But I, I think the whole idea here is that this, this donor, this sponsor, uh, he just found out about the story and he's like, we can't support a candidate like this. So I think the idea is that this is supposed to be showing Palmer might be wrong here. You know, uh, mm-hmm. this is going to cost them. It's not just about, oh, let's be honest. Uh, and I think that that works because the audience has to be questioning at this point what we're questioning. Who does it benefit? Especially why does it benefit Palmer to not wait a couple days? You know, uh, yeah. he wants to come out and dis- w- w- if he had done this press conference, you know, would he have been meeting with children immediately afterwards? Well, <laughs> uh, probably, probably not. Probably not, because he's he, past history and children is that they kill other people, so probably not. But yeah. um, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Like, but I mean, this is, I think, maybe the underrated aspect of this whole Palmer drama is that it sells. The ultimate goal is it sells you on Palmer as a character and what type of person he is, and this is why he becomes arguably one of the most popular people on this show. And I think I might have talked about this before. Stop me if I have. I, I've recently been watching like lists on uh, like YouTube of like top ten fictional presidents, right? And like they'll go through movies mm-hmm. and TV. Palmer is always like every single one I watched. The the top two are always uh, Palmer from Twenty Four and Bartlett from The West Wing. Um, and like like he's regarded as such a great television president. So and he's a very like I don't think I've ever met anyone who's going oh fucking David Palmer what a shit character like Palmer is fantastic, yeah. um and I think this season is what sells you on it's like it's what sells you on Jack right like without this first season Jack's antics are not going to make as much sense, um mm-hmm. and so yeah I think kind of all this Palmer drama is as wany as some of it might be like Keith and Nicole sure whatever but like it sells him. And like you see yeah. what he goes through with Sherry, like everything works on the grand, on the bigger picture of things. So, like again, this is where I'm saying like I'm probably not going to be in an episode of season one because I think like to me, I I still value this season so highly based on what it sells you for the future product. Like it's to me, I could never just watch a, a season of Twenty Four out of order, uh, and I could never not watch season one because it's it it just it sets you up for this show which by season eight, like season eight versus season one, it's an unrecognizable show. Like it's, mm. there's barely any character development in season eight. You're like, okay, who's the mole this season? Um, so it's, yeah. Well, the only thing I really want to add on the Palmer drama is, uh, I love the Palmer drama has become a thing. Like that is going to be our t-shirt. t-shirt. Uh, people Palmer have probably drama. already bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Palmer drama. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's not even something that I, I necessarily think that they planned from the beginning, but when you look at the difference between Sherry and David and you know what's going to happen between them because of a lot of season one, um, when we get to season two, especially when we get to season three, I, I would love to go back and revisit this moment where you know, Palmer may have gone, David may have gone a little too far and underestimated the damage some of this can do because some of the decisions he makes when it comes to season three it's almost like he learned a lesson from season one. So we'll mm. kind of bookmark this and come back in season three where David may become a little more Sherry-like. And that's a very good point. Like, definitely a very good point. It's kind of like how we get these glimpses of what Jack's capable of throughout this season. And, I mean, next week, wow. 
uh, we are going to get. Um, please make that the top five this season. It's one of my favorite twenty-four moments of all time. What we get with Jack next week, but um, yeah, like and and like it's it's kind of interesting. We talk about Sherry, like Sherry. You know, people always like let's rank the villains of twenty-four, and Sherry Palmer's always in there. And like again, okay, I get it. On if you're judging twenty-four on black and white levels, Sherry's a villain. I get it, but like. Is she though? Like, I mean, again, you look at her motivations for what she does. She's power hungry. Uh, you know, she wants this. And kind of ultimately, she kind of wants it for David. Uh, although I do feel maybe it's a bit House of Cardi that kind of, you know, it's ultimately, is she ultimately doing this for a tilt at the White House herself? Or were the writers of 24 yeah. like, oh, we're progressive enough. We've got a black president. We need a black woman. Like, it's kind of, black man's enough. Oh, heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid a woman. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, remember this. We won't remember this, but uh, pretend now no. we will remember this. Because What did I just say about <laughs> talking about this episode in the future? I'll buy you a pony. You just want a pony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you want. Um, I think we can go over the Jack stuff here, too, because, like, Jack's <laughs> kind of... did we already? Bit... <laughs> well, Okay. This episode starts off again. Jack has just escaped federal custody. He is a wanted man for, everyone believes, wanting to assassinate a presidential... Like, I wasn't alive when Kennedy... Neither of us were alive when Kennedy got assassinated. But didn't... Well, apparently I was. Yeah, you're old. (laughs) Yep. But, like, didn't... What's his face get hunted down within, like, two days and couldn't, like, fart without the FBI knowing where he is? Like, I mean, come on. Like... This is a bit. I know he's not the president yet, but Jesus Christ! Um, so he, we see him take his handcuffs off, driving around. Like he walked down a path, got into this car, and literally, we're meant to believe like, oh, the police are around. Like Nina, get me through these cops. Um, also, love that Nina's just at this point now where she can just yeah, I'm just going to LAP. Nina looks bored this episode. Sarah Clark oh, yeah. had a bad date. I don't know what happened with Sarah <laughs> Clark this week. She's bored. Sarah Clark. She's is supposed bored. to be. Well, yeah, because she's supposed to be our drama. That's supposed to be our CTU drama this week, yeah. especially with, you know, Alberta coming in. Yeah. And she doesn't sell it at all. Like, I don't buy it because I, I remembered this being a bigger thing. We even talked about the end of last week. It's like, oh, we're going to get a Drazen appearance. We're going to get, you know, the first appearance of Alberta Green, like the first division person coming in. And I was expecting, you know, division CTU drama and there's mm. just none of it here. They, they barely ha- share a glance in this episode. Tony sells this and then... Nina completely no-sells it. And which, like, when future seasons with the CTU drama, like, sometimes CTU drama is just silly, but, like, it's just weirdly entertaining. But, like, there's no drama in this episode. CTU is just on the phone passing documents. Everyone's like, oh, I'm mildly shocked that Jamie's dead. Back to work. Then when Alberta comes in and gives her, shit's been going out today. It stops now. I know none of you have slept for 24 hours. Too bad. Suck it up, princess. Like, (laughs) puts a hard nose down, and everyone's just like, okay, and just gets back to work. (laughs) Like... I don't know about your job, but if I was at work and somebody came in and was like, suck it up, get back to work, do your job, I'd be like, oh, what a bitch. Like, <laughs> I'd be a bit angry. Um, but so, yeah, Jack basically on the phone to Nina here, oh, blah, 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 get me through the cops. Nina's like, Jack, I have some bad news. Jamie tried to kill herself. And Jack's like, oh, okay. You said try? <laughs> <That's> really- yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love like, Jack's, this is a space of half an hour that Jack's on the phone like, fuck Tony and Nina, I'll help you, Jamie, too. Bring in the sun. Two, oh, that's a shame. You said try to kill herself so she's not dead? Oh, okay. But the one thing I do like here, and let's bookmark this moment, not that I'm giving away anything, is when Jack says, are you sure it was suicide? Yeah. 
Like, ooh, dun, dun, dun. Smarty Jack. Um, we get a fourth dammit of the season. Well, you know what? There, sorry, Jack, there were no cameras in the room. We can't confirm. None. <laughs> Not at all. Those cameras were definitely off. They yep. definitely won't come into play later on this season. Um, Jack says, damn it. I think that's the fourth time I've got for the damn it count. Uh, the cop. Okay, we talk about crap in this episode. The cops are the worst I've seen since Nip Tuck episode one, season one, uh, when we bagged out the Miami PD, basically. LAPD this week. Yeah, no, nah, sorry. No wonder you're like getting hated by the world because you've got an empty street. You have a roadblock. You have a car coming towards you. And it's not like this car just goes, oh, gosh, a roadblock. Sorry, officers, I'll go the other way. Slams on the brakes. Puts leaves up. These cops should be suspicious. <laughs> yeah. This is a car that's making attention. Jack's also you driving. You see it coming towards you and then immediately turn around. Like, that would be a red flag. Yep, yep. Jack's also driving around at this point on a cell phone, breaking many traffic laws. So no wonder <laughs> later on here when he gets like the cops are wanting to pull him over. Um, I will say Jack's at one point he gets patched through to like the Terry and Kim drama uh, as they're getting abused at. I'll, I'll come back to that because there's some fun things I want to talk about that. Um, and then I love like, I love the moments when like Jack pulls over and sinks down in his seat and then like Nina and Terry are quiet on the phone. There's this whole sequence when Jack's hiding under the car where Nina and Terry are literally not saying anything. And all Jack has said, like, give me a moment to deal with this. He doesn't even explain what this is. Like yeah. if I'm Terry, I've been kidnapped. I've gotten her husband on the phone. Like, help me, help me. It's like, okay, I'll hold. So Kim, <laughs> one, school. Yeah, I'd like a McDouble, please. Um, <laughs> large fries. Root beer. <laughs> Nina, so you uh, you fucked my husband. Um, <laughs> pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, pretty good. Definitely, definitely really good. Like, it's just What awkward. a man. Way better than Eli. <laughs> I also love... <laughs> Too soon, but true. Um, I, do, <laughs> I do also love here when, like, Jack gets pulled over by the cops. These two cops, like, you've got fatty old guy one and fatty old guy two cops. Like, I reckon these are real cops in L.A. that just gotten as extras. Sorry to all our LAPD listeners listening. Uh, you're not all fat and old. This was 2001. You were back well, LAPD's then. LAPD's just fat and old. <laughs> um, yeah, when I go to New York, I get my photo taken with cops. Not when I go to L.A. because you might bash me. Um, oh, wait, I'm white. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> ben. They're the things you edit out of the episodes. Now. Um, but... So I love that Jack gets pulled over and he actually is quite smart here. He like waits till they get to like the end of the car and then he like yeah. drives off. But having said that, do the cops not hear that the engine is still running? Like, do they not mm. think like there's an episode of Third Watch when they the cops pull over a guy and basically Sully's like to David's like, no, 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 wait, don't get out of the car yet. The, the engine's still running. I think this guy's about to take off on us. Like they literally catch on to that. Um, but these cops, LA, they're dumb. They're no NYPD. Fat and lazy. <laughs> but then Jack, like, goes on a bit of a chase. They've got how many city blocks are called off here, and yet only one cop car follows him into a parking lot to which Jack somehow gets enough space to park in this parking lot. And it takes the cops 25 minutes till we get one cop going, yes, I found Bauer's car. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. You've got a description. <laughs> it's a silver Pontiac registration number XYZ. This one cop walking the line and like Jack hides under a car and this cop's just like, oh, yep. Where is he? Somewhere around here. Hang on, Jim. Yeah, Good they thing. don't even look under the cars. Like, like it's uh, not, you can look at the whole lot and be like, nobody's standing. So if he's not standing, he must be standing somewhere else. <laughs> it's like a 60s 
Simpsons episode. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even at the point where the first cop, who's just on his radio, yes, uh, reporting in here to Judy, still no sign of him. Again, acting way too slow for police here. Like, I was at, after a presidential assassination attempt. I, I the one time I've like really seen like police in action in America was I, I think it was at the San Diego airport. I was lining up to check in. Somebody had left a suitcase at the counter. Within two seconds, like fucking security and cops, like everyone out of the way, go stand over there, stand over there, blah blah. I'm like, fuck, what's going on? Like twenty cops swept the area, cordoned off this zone to look at a suitcase, which clearly like Grandma Joan had left behind because you know she forgot. So that was like response to a suitcase. This is a guy who's nearly killed a presidential candidate and just casually walking around a parking lot asking them, you know, did they watch the game last night? Um, and there's one moment there, I think it's the first moment when Jack gets under the car. Like the way this is edited, that cop sees Jack get under the car. Like it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. He is standing right there and you see him under the car. And what makes this even more realistically dumb is Jack's on the phone, not whispering. <laughs> just like, Terry, it's okay. And then at one point he gets from behind the car, he hides behind a car when he's literally like, damn it, did we get the trace? Damn it. And like, no one's listening to this. He then gets into a car and drives out. Why have the cops not blocked this car park off? Like, no wonder he escapes. They just drives off. And then which Jack finds out about Ted Koval. Hi, it's Ted's friend from business school. Like, <laughs> this secretary is worse than the LAPD. This guy, Ted Koffel, is meant to be like a Fortune 500 businessman, to which his secretary is like busy, like, yeah, Ted Koffel's office, Ted Koffel's office. Hi, it's Ted's friend from business school. Oh, yeah, shame. You're just about to miss him. He's flying to Denver on flight XYZ. He'll be in car, license plate 323 in elevator 7. Like, may as well. His social security number is... Um, this woman is terrible. Jack arrives at Ted Koffel's office, runs upstairs... I think he gets seen by Ted in the elevator when he, like, bangs on the elevator. Um, again, this woman, like, basically sees Sweaty Jack, doesn't know this guy's name. It's like, oh, no, he's just left in his limo. It's driven by Mark or whatever the guy's name is. Jack runs downstairs, presses a bell to gain 30 seconds. I mean, one thing I will say, it's kind of cool that, you know, they've come up with this plan in a real-time aspect. Like, oh, there's no way Jack's going to run down these stairs before Ted. But let's add another 30 seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. We meet Ted. Ted's all calm in the elevator. Oh, don't worry. This resets after 30 seconds. I'm Mr. Nice Guy. Um, and I also love Jack bribing this limo driver. Hey, dude, I'm just his limo driver. I don't know anything. <laughs> like, it, then Jack, the, the episode ends with Jack as Ted's limo driver. So Jack starts in a car, ends in, he has three different cars in this episode. Keep Maybe that's the most cars Jack will drive in one episode. I don't know. Um, one thing I'll say I like about this, I love the music that like the tense music when Jack's driving, going down the stairs. Oh, the techno music, yeah. It yeah. sounds like like a fight scene from the Matrix. It's cool. Like I actually really like that theme, and like at the end when Ted's like, uh, "Mark, can you please uh, turn the air on?" and that's the the tension at the end. You got cool Jack with his sunnies on, presses the button. Jack automatically knows that <laughs> the air is in a limo. Like I've been test driving cars recently. I fucking every single time I'm in a car, how do I turn the air on? Where's this button? Where's this button? Jack straight away, boom, air. Fucking take it. I know my cars. <laughs> Why um, does he wear the sunglasses though? Because he's cool. He's Jack Bauer. Like fucking. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> Who cares? Jack Bauer can wear a garbage bag and he's cool. Um, 
But like, I know a lot of what I've just explained there in context makes no sense because we're going to get to the other stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Jack. The last episode is Ted in, Ted in, Ted, 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 Ted. Again, this <laughs> yeah. this goes back to that episode when he basically followed that name and ended up shooting, getting a cop killed. Like, I mean, CTU, Jack Bauer overreacts to one name, which, okay, yeah. in fairness, each time he's right. And we all know the famous mm-hmm. line, if everybody listened to Jack Bauer, the show would be called 12, not 24. Um, so he's right. He's got a good intuition. But does he have a good intuition? Because Jamie got it through the ropes there. <laughs> Like, make your mind up on Jack Bauer's intuition. But, uh, yeah, Jack, not a lot to do this week. Uh, I, I'll, I'll save my comments for the, the three, four, five-way phone call that they have with Terry <laughs> later because uh, that is the best stuff in the episode, uh, sadly. But uh, <laughs> the rest of Jack's story, I mean, I'll, starting right at the beginning, I already mentioned it. We end the last episode with him exiting out a rear window that nobody was covering but still running for his life to this car. And we start this episode with him fiddling around with his phone in the car (laughs) (laughs) yeah like this yeah angry birds or so i was trying to think like what would somebody have been playing in 2001 on the phone snake Snake. yeah Yeah. that would be the one (laughs) uh he's just way too casual like this is if if we had watched these two episodes back to back i guarantee we would have had a much bigger issue with it but (laughs) because we remembered the cliffhanger last week i mean i still have an issue with it um the three phone call stuff is fun you know when he's getting chased by the cops tell me if i'm right I remembered right. that the police, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Well, you just know that I'm going to be right, so you don't even bother to hear it. But, uh, when the cops pull him over, did they use the megaphone on the car? No. I thought that they did. I, I swear that they were like, sir, we oh, need you to pull over. Like, oh, when they're next to him. I thought you meant like when they actually yeah. pull him, pull him over. Um, I think they're on a thing like, sir, 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 pull over. Yeah. Like, what, could they not use that and say, sir? Like, they know who this guy's supposed to be. They should know. Mm-hmm. Okay, important person involved in a presidential assassination. Maybe they don't know the assassination, but they know something. They know roadblocks have gone up all around Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So why are you just casually approaching the car? Which, like, just use, you've used the speakerphone once. Just, sir, we need you to step out of the vehicle with your hands on the hood. But it doesn't, does it make sense that, like, because the way this car, like, it's, it's, I think they should have just had it that a cop car just happened to be following him and then they pull him over because, like, you know, they see him on the phone. But, like, the way it's implied is that you see this cop car just all of a sudden come out of nowhere and, like, drive next to him. <clears throat> it's like they know who he is at that point. How do they know who it is? Is it because they saw him turn around at the roadblock and like, hey, suspicious car? Like, or is it that the um the the waitress lady told them like, oh, he's going to be in a silver, whatever? Maybe that's what it is. But again, you well, don't get context. Going to get context that like throw a line in there. Just cut back to waitress lady and going, he's in a silver Pontiac. Um, and again, I don't car people. I I can't remember what brand of car it is. Probably not a Pontiac. I don't know. But anyway, don't yeah. flame me. I I said a semi racist like- comment before. Flame me for that. <laughs> But but even if they don't have a description of the car, we know that the police have barricades and roadblocks up everywhere right mm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew the location he was at. These roadblocks came up pretty quick because it's within a minute of Jack starting this episode. He's asking Nina, okay, where should I go? I need you. Nina's job this week, maybe this is why Nina's so pissed. Her <laughs> job this week is, Nina, I need you to give me traffic updates. Like, she is the stand-in for Jack. She's second in command. He's like, Milo, I need you to, you know, track all the bank accounts. Tony, I need you to do something extremely technical. Nina, 
give me traffic updates. Like that's all she does. Well, well maybe but this she's is getting why she it. doesn't get um Jack's job. Alberta gets it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, she's only competent to do traffic updates. Uh, exactly. It, cars are backed up for miles, according to uh, Steve Thompson. <laughs> in the sky. Uh, Dave Thompson and Jetcopter Three, which who came on like three times in this episode. This is Steve Thompson and Jetcopter Three. I, just, I, I, the just, sky. I just want her to be like the guy from The Simpsons. I'm doing my best, Kent. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the Simpsons episode with Arnie Pie, where he's like, oh, there's a uh, some type of accident on the freeway that's traffic backed up for miles. And then they zoom out and his helicopter is down in front of all the cars. It also reminds me of, I love the guy, I don't know how much of Family Guy you watch, but I love the weather guy. And it's like, and now let's go to blah, 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 weatherman. Where's the weatherman? It's raining. Thanks, Carl. And like, <laughs> the Star Wars one when they're like, and now it's time to Jim about the weather. Jim, what's weather? Space weather. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> I don't remember that, but it sounds great. <laughs> He's so uh, funny. <laughs> but yeah, like, okay, so these roadblocks have gone up everywhere. We watched Jack spend half of this episode driving before he has to make his run from the cops. Did they just say, all right, man exiting this building about 30 seconds ago, I want traffic stops about 16 miles away. No, <laughs> start in the immediate area. Yeah. <laughs> this is why they lost them. Completely useless, fat and lazy. And then, like, honestly, like, at this point, media is also to blame because they're like, oh, we're hearing about... Why aren't the government agencies putting this guy's face on the news so that when he's running in Ted Kofel's office, it's like, wanted, wanted, fugitive, you know? Like, again, Lee Harvey Oswald, I'm sure if there was social media... Like, there's that whole thing about the Boston bombings, remember, when they basically... Oh, somebody, yeah. They, the, the newspaper, famously on the front page, put, like, this is the guy, and that guy was, like, fucking beaten up or, like, tortured or whatever, and it wasn't even the right guy. Like, yeah. that's the power of what they could be doing with it. It's America. Everyone's got a gun. Like, God, Jack America. would be dead in two seconds. But, um, yeah, Jack, maybe Jack's... But, again, Kiefer puts it all in. Kiefer doesn't phone it in. Well, he's oh, he never on the does. Phone. Uh, so, but then... Um, so, I guess we combine the CTU and Terry stuff. Like, basically, all that happens well, at CTU. Well, before, or, before you move on, I just want to say one more thing with Jack crouching okay. underneath the cars and everything. Or I think I already mentioned it. Like, these police officers, they don't even attempt to look mm. under the cars. Yep. It's just, oh, okay. Uh, he's not here. He's still not here. And then when he goes to, to Kofel's office or whatever, uh, <laughs> you mentioned, like, this secretary or whatever. She's also the worst secretary because he keeps saying, oh, tell him I'm not here. Oh, yes, he's still in the building, but he's leaving anytime now. And then it's like, oh, some guy from uh, your, your college is, uh, you know, uh, coming to see you. Again, this guy doesn't have, did you get a name? Uh, but he says, uh, no, I don't have time for that. Uh, tell him I'm not here. Oh, he's just getting in the elevator now. Like, yeah. she is giving exact directions for where this man is. Like, fire her. And also, like, she says, like, on the phone, like, oh, um, uh, you know, he's leaving. He's flying away. And basically, Jack's like, what time? Oh, he doesn't plan to leave any later than 10. Now, when Ted goes to his secretary, oh, Jenny, I'm going to leave a bit early for the airport. It's like 9.54. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, traffic's really bad. <laughs> like, like, well, is it? For starters. And secondly, like, y you're leaving a bit early. Well, not before 10. 9.54 is not before, you know. So like, yeah. You're not really that early, mate. Um. So the CTU stuff, outside of, of the phone calls with Terry, it's um, Milo trying to get an email, basically, to which we find Ted Cope. I, I do love the convenience of plot being plot, where basically as soon as everything's a dead end, oh, we just happen to have a coded email that Jamie forgot to delete to Ted Kofel. 
uh, yeah. to which we find out that there was a million-dollar transfer to gains from Ted Kofel. Um, so, okay, that's going to lead somewhere, and we find out that he's an investment person. Uh, he's an accountant in the Valley. <laughs> Alan York. Uh, that actually, in all fairness, like that would have been a cool little thing if that was like, oh, Alan York is all connected. Um, you know, something that just occurred to me too. Jack, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what Jack's primary objective was for the first half of this episode. I mean, the Terry phone call. Now, Jack, who has gone to such great lengths to make sure, no, I got to do this. Otherwise, they're going to kill my wife and child. When the call ends and they say, Jack, we need somebody to go find some random accountant uh, about some random email that we have no information on. It's like, all right, I'll go. Isn't that something you send, I don't know, some random CTU agent for? Like, is Jack willing to just say, oh, I just heard them say they were going to kill my daughter. You need somebody to investigate this bank trail? I'll go do it. Well, that's, I mean, it's a good point. Like, what what are the other field agents doing on day one of 24? Like, is Jack the only field agent available? And he's also the director of CTU. Like, I'm, like yeah. if you are a cop and you get promoted to, like, sergeant lieutenant, you're not sending, you're not going out and doing beat cop work. Like, you're in the office. You're, yeah. fucking, you're only going out. Like, Jack should be out you know researching what's happening with the the plane over the mojave desert can do this yeah exactly like jamie was dead now but like nina's (laughs) somewhat of a field agent isn't she like you know like what what's happening with him and we get this like sequence from terry where it's like oh he went away on a mission and he was changed like okay well did he go on the mission by himself was clearly ctu only sending jack to do things like you know the the sad fact is jack gets shit done and then he gets blamed for it later like oh jack you broke the rules well (laughs) He's the only agent doing shit because you're too lazy with all your other CTU agents not doing anything. Um, it's not even until season three, I think, that they introduce this. But they show that there is a field team and that hmm. there is a person in charge. Because I think season three, Jack's job is he's there's, in charge no, of the field. there's someone this season. There's a, there, there is, there's a sniper guy this season that is a field <laughs> well, they agent. Just, that, yeah. They just start late. Yeah. It's like, you know what? My shift doesn't start till 11. So <laughs> get but Jack terrorism to do doesn't it. stop for no one. Huh? I'm contracted <laughs> to start at midday. Yeah, uh-uh. union agreement. Union agreement. I've got a facial this morning. I can't break. Ooh, <laughs> somebody's going to break table. Ah, facial. No, no. Only union. field guys get facials. Union. Union hours. <laughs> can't do this. Um, so, yes, Nina, drama, Tony, drama. Tony, Carlos <laughs> Bernard's a bit bored this episode, but you get to see Cubby this week, so I'm, I'm not complaining about Cubby. I do like... Uh, Tony taking the lead with Milo. It's like when he's trying to ring Milo and Milo's like, I'm busy. And he picks up the phone. What, Miles? It's like, Miles, I need you to decode this email. Their desks are like three desks away. I know. Like, <laughs> like how lazy is CTU? Tony's like, I'm pulling rank. I'm sitting down. I'm not going to stand up. I've got a flavor seat. That means I don't stand yeah. for no one. Miles, I'm busy. <laughs> like, I, I love these guys. Like, that is the best Milo impression ever. <laughs> I didn't get up at 5 a.m. not to be busy. <laughs> busy. <laughs> oh, one thing I need to point out when I talked to you off air about it or whatever it was, um, when Ted's in the elevator, shock response from extras. Like you've got two old men just going, oh, no, we're so... That woman is like, oh, oh, no, stop. oh, oh no, she's so shocked. Give her an Emmy. I want her. Random, <laughs> random actress in the background shocked that elevator stops. Um I think that was the same CTU agent that was shocked that Jamie was dying. Well, she gets around. <laughs> um, and she we, gets around? The, the one thing is we find out that um, basically they're sending in someone from Division, Alberta Green, to take over, right? Now, okay, I don't know if you pay attention to the timestamps. 
Tony comes oh, yeah. to Nina and is like, Nina, uh, you know, just letting you know that uh, they're sending someone from Division. Alberta Green's coming in. Yeah. And Nina's like, oh my God, this is big. What time? She's coming in about 9.45. It was 9.43 when you told Nina. Like, did you just get a message now? I'm sure you got the memo at like 9.12. Like, Yeah, well, it says she's scheduled to arrive at 9.45. And if you actually check the clock, she arrives at 9.47. So you wonder why Alberta Green isn't respected? (laughs) It's because she's not punctual, okay? And we find out that uh, she worked under Nina at Division. Ooh, and now... Like, what has Nina done to deserve, like, a demotion? <laughs> like, like seriously, like, Mason before, like, oh, yeah, like, you were going places and now you're Jack's lunky. Like, probably true because, like, you're not getting promoted, Nina. Like, I'm sorry, I'm agreeing <laughs> with George Mason here. Like, Alberta Green, who worked under you at Division, is now Jack's job and you're second in what's happening here. Um... What do we think about Alberta? Alberta, I think, is just very one-dimensional. She's don't like me. I'm evil. Well, she's not evil, but like, grr, I'm I'm the man or the woman, and I'm going to stop Jack from doing. Like, this is a common thing of twenty-four. You get somebody in, like you, mm-hmm. you'll have your CTU people working with Jack to help him. We're on board with them. Like, come on, Nina, come on, Tony, let's help Jack find his wife and kids. And then you've always got someone who's going to come in and be the wet blanket. And this is. Yeah. going to happen in multiple seasons. You know, the one person who's actually, let's be honest, doing their job, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I honestly don't know why CTU are not hunting Jack anyway still. But anyway, and Alberta's like, yes, you've been doing shit and this is going to stop and don't go to sleep because I'm a bitch and back to work, lol. And then five minutes later, she's in Jack's office, like fucking she's got 100 CD-ROMs on her desk with an assistant just handing them off, to which then Alberta's basically like, when did you last speak to Jack? <laughs> You're wrong. Why did you fuck Jack? Yeah, I'm evil. I'm like George Mason because I'm going to drop some rude words to you. Like, And Nina's just like, is that all? I'm going back to work. That's CTU drama for this week, basically. It's not yeah. the best CTU drama we'll ever get. Bring me Katie Sackhoff drama, even though that's not really good either. But, you know. Um, Alberta Green, she's just the prototype, really. Yeah. Uh, and I think... They, they nail everything. They probably had the idea from the beginning. Like, you know what? We'll always have somebody from Division who comes in and they're going to be cold and heartless and they're not actually going to be wrong, but everybody's going to hate them because they're Division. division. Um, you know, if Division has anything to be upset about CTU for, it's the dress code. Because Division people come in, full business suits. <laughs> Tony's there, you know, untucked shirt. Milo's there, I think, in a sweatsuit or something. Like... It is very casual as CTU, but like you are the CIA, have some respect for the position. Yeah, uh, that's what Division should be thinking. Yeah. But yeah, she's really just she's setting the stage for what we're going to get later on, and she does fine. But the, the actress here, I can't even tell you. There's only one thing that I could tell you specifically. I know her from, uh, and it's because I never forget. But um, did you ever see the movie The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino? Uh, yeah, like years and years ago. Yep. It, like I, it used to be a favorite of mine. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't even know how well it holds up. Uh, but the movie, if people don't already know, is Keanu Reeves is a lawyer. You think it's like a John Grisham legal thriller. He uh, he moves for this big job in New York City, I think it is, and his boss, who's Al Pacino, you find out is the devil. Like, as in, it's literally the devil running a a, a lawyer practice, which uh, at the business office. But. Um, <laughs> But, like, it's actually a really good thriller. And she was in it as, like, one of the people working for Al Pacino. And there was just something so creepy about that movie. Not without being – it's not scary, but something so creepy about that movie where every time I see any of the people who worked 
uh, in that law firm, in the devil's law firm, in the, in the devil's advocate, they always just, I'm not going to say rub me the wrong way, like rub me the wrong way in a good way where I'm like, there's something so creepy about them, but like, I, I can't, I can't take my eyes off them because they're going to do something like really scary and they never do anything scary. And Connie Nielsen's another one where it doesn't mm. matter what I've seen Connie Nielsen in because she was another one of those like evil lawyers that didn't do anything evil in the devil's advocate. You just know they're probably demons on the inside. There's just something really creepy about her. So she suits this cold, heartless role, but maybe because I associate her with the devil's advocate. It's, um, when you said rubs you in a bad way, a good way, or whatever it was, you talked to Jamie. <laughs> rubs, you you talk- the, rubs you the wrong way in a good way. <laughs> yeah, you talked to Jamie about that. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> just just saying. Um, the actress uh, is Tamara Tooney, and sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, I've I, yeah, she's actually been in a few things I watched. So she's been in Blue Blood. She's been in Better Call Saul. Um, and she was in something else, I think, from memory. But she was also in a movie which I used to watch a bit as a kid, but I haven't seen in such a long time. Uh, Snake Eyes, Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, with Nicolas yeah. Cage. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's in six Flight episodes with Denzel. Yeah, I remember her from Flight. Yeah. Uh, and of course, she was in Law and Order SVU because why wouldn't she be? Um, <laughs> she was a main character. She was in two hundred and twenty-four episodes, so she wasn't wow. just a guest appearance. Um, uh, but yeah, like I like the actress, fine. But like. Yeah, you're right about the division thing, but like I think there's two division people clearly in Mason and Chappelle that sort of have an arc enough that by the end you're actually on their side. Mm-hmm. Whereas she's so one-dimensional, Alberta Green. Like I think there's one moment later with Palmer from memory, but um, yeah, I didn't realize she was in six episodes. That's that's quite enough. Quite enough. Quite enough of you. That's a, that's Alberta. enough. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Stop it. Um, so the only stuff left is the... Ter- Actually, before we get to the Terry drama, the, the one Drazen scene that we get, I think we should maybe just cover separately here because uh, this is important, actually. Like, we meet a Drazen. Uh, we yeah. meet for the very first time. A Drazen. A Drazen, one, one of the main Drazens. Now, Zelko, is it Ivanic? Is that how you Zel- say Zel- Zelchko Ivanic. Uh, Zelchko Ivanic. Fucking love this guy. Um, oh, wow. I mean... I knew him mainly from this. This is what I very first saw him from. I know we talked about him, I think, on um, three, board, three billboards, didn't we, for a little bit. But um, I don't know if you ever watched Damages. He was one of the main no. guys in the early parts of Damages. Uh, he was in an episode of Lost. He was uh, in a very bad episode of Lost, not in Portland. He's Juliet's husband uh, who gets hit by the bus. Uh, I don't know if you remember him. Um, of course, he was in you Law and Order from... SVU, I'm seeing here. Yeah. Uh, he was in True Blood. I remember him from that as well. Heroes. So, yeah, Heroes, I vaguely remember from that. Uh, Suits. Uh, so many shows I've seen that he's actually been in. But um, I think, did he not get nominated for an Emmy for this? I think it was Damages, because I remember being really excited when he got nominated for something. Yeah, he was great. I mean, like, Damages is a show, like, I would love to cover one day. Like, it's just so good. Uh, he won an Emmy for Damages um, yeah. for, for Ray Fisk. So, yeah, no, really good actor. And, like, he's another one of these guys who you kind of feel like, why isn't he in more things? Like, he's got a look about him. Like, he's generally always playing mm-hmm. an evil dude because he's got that look. He's a great actor. He's like, I don't know where he's originally from, but like he's got a bit of an accent. So like that's automatically evil, right? Like everything about him is fantastic. So um, he's from Slovenia. There you go. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I love him. So we meet him for the first time. He's the one calling up Gaines. And this is where you get the, oh, Gaines isn't the big bad. So basically uh, Drazen's all like, you know, why isn't the Palmer situation being taken care of? You know, for you, this might be about the money, but for me, it's personal. Dun, dun, dun. Me and my brother, it's personal. And we also find out it's not just about Palmer. It's also about Jack. 
So they want both Jack and Palmer to go. And like, I actually really like the reveal when we find out why um, they're after Palmer and Jack. It's, it's, a, it's a cool little thing. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a comic based on this whole situation, which I do have somewhere. Um, but basically, he's like, I'm going to be landing in half an hour. I'm going to be visiting you. And, um, you know, basically threatens to kill Gaines. And Gaines is like, ooh. Like, not a lot of Gaines this episode. It's a bit sad. But, um, yeah, this is an important scene because this is, yeah. the, this is the first. And this is generally what happens in 24 around about this point. It's kind of you get this point where you've got one bad, two bad, then three bad. And, and this is, I mean, <laughs> he's technically not the big, big bad, but he kind of is because he's kind of working with his brother. And you, you don't meet Victor until, what, like episode 19 or something. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would say this is, the, and we'll point this out every season, this is the big bad. This is this mm-hmm. is the main bad that Jack will eventually be hunting. It's the Drazens, and he's our first taste of Drazen. I like this scene. I, I, I like me anything to do with the Drazens, so, yeah, I, I feel we need to keep this scene separate. Uh, Zelsko Ivanek, uh, I was familiar with him. Uh, we mentioned this during our Brendan Fraser month uh, movie that came out around the same time as Encino Man. That w- it was filmed long before Encino Man and just shelved, and then when Brendan Fraser made it big, they're like, let's release this movie. It was a movie called School Ties, which was like a drama written by uh, Dick Wolf, who created Law and Order, as for you. But uh, the movie was just about a prep school, and Brendan Fraser, it took place in like the 50s. Brendan Fraser played like um, a Jewish kid who went there who was hiding his heritage because there were a bunch of racist rich kids there. Uh, Zelsko Ivanik played this really, uh, I wouldn't call him uptight, what would be the word, uh, very strict teacher, like uh, dictator ish. And Watching that movie, even as a kid, there was something just really scary about him. And I remember as as I got older, we just loved him in that movie. Like my brother, I loved him in the movie. So when he appeared on 24, we were excited because like we knew who this guy was. I'm like, oh, he's getting his big break here in 24. And everything I have seen him in, like he might be one of, if you were to come up with a list of like top five best underrated actors that nobody's heard of. I mean, he, him and Gregory Itzen are in there. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, a a movie that he did, which again, I thought, okay, he's finally going to get like a really big movie break now. And I understand he had damages already at this point, but like as far as movies, nothing really. Uh, it was the fourth born movie, the one that Jeremy Renner did that didn't have Matt Damon. And he has one sequence. It's a very prolonged sequence where I don't want to spoil it too much, but if you want to see just like in this show, what one actor can do with a tiny role to make it the most memorable thing in a show watch the born legacy and then feel free to shut the movie off as soon as Zelchko Ivanik <laughs> has his moment. Cause I, if you haven't seen the movie, all I'll just say is um, he escalates things very quickly and you never see it coming. And he's just so good at that. Like uh, as you mentioned, the voice, the look, like everything, like this guy should be the biggest star. If you want like list of actors that we need to talk to, maybe we've already talked to him. Maybe we will in another he's week. Who knows? Co-host. <laughs> oh, he's gotta be. He's, he's, covering things right now with Katie Sackhoff. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, Oz Network celebrity special, but yep. Zelsko Ivanik, like he is, all you can say, he is the man. Like this guy is incredible. So tiniest scene in the show, but like, you know, as soon as he appears, what are you going to do to have the audience accept, okay, uh, I was going to call him Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Uh, Saunders. Woof. Yeah. Uh, I know you're a big Saunders fan, but uh, yeah. How, how are you going to, how are you going to bring in the next big villain? Just have Zelsko Ivanik have 30 seconds on screen. That's all you need. So yeah. tiniest scene, but yeah, it needed to be covered on its own. It's interesting when we get to Saunders, whenever I see Peter Blackthorne and everything, I'm like, oh, there he is. But like Peter <laughs> Blackthorne, he like, just gets. Paul? 
uh, Paul, whatever. This is a P word. <laughs> Peter, Paul, Mary, Mary Blackthorn. Um, but like, he's he's so relegated now to like bit parts now. Whenever I see Paul Blackthorn, I'm like, oh, why is he like? Because he was like, he was on what? Arrow. Well, I don't watch Arrow. I watch real television. <laughs> you should. Um, he's a major star. <laughs> he um. He was like a bit part in Dumb and Dumber 2. And then recently in White Collar, he was like, oh, because they like, you think like, oh, he's going to be the big bad in White Collar. He was in like one and a half episodes of White Collar. Like, ah, bloody hell. Um, uh, I was just looking here at School Ties, uh, looking who's in School Ties. That's a pretty stacked oh, huge cast. cast. And Damon, none of them were known when ben the movie Affleck. was made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris O'Donnell, Kevin Teague, an Oz Network guest uh, in that movie. So uh, there you go. School ties coming soon. Um, we got to do it. 30th anniversary next year, so maybe we can remember that. Um, mm. All right. The Terry Kim stuff basically <laughs> came out of nap last week. Um, <laughs> now they're just sitting around yelling at people. I do love, like, so they've got the phone. It's like, oh, I'm on the phone to Jack. And then I love the way they keep hiding it, like, on the thing. And I, I, when Eli comes in, and I just love Terry. <laughs> What do you want from us? <laughs> the way she just like yells it. Um, Eli really wants his phone. He loves his Nokia 5210 or whatever it is. And like, <laughs> talk about useless people. Rick, oh, it's just a phone. It's like, I need it because Gaines calls me on it. And it's like, dude, fucking take my phone. Okay. <laughs> Gaines is 20 feet away right now. You're on yeah. the same complex. What do you exactly. need the phone for? Why do you have phones? Why not walkie talkies? Like, like what, what's the problem here? Um, actually talking about like Rick doesn't have a lot to do. Kim has nothing to do with this episode. Like, although there yeah. is one scene, Kim bends over to check on her mother. Uh, that's a nice <laughs> scene. Um, just pointing it out there. Um, but like the, the one scene that Kim has with Terry is like, why did you leave Jack? We don't have time for this. No, now is the time. We might not. Die. Don't talk like that. Just fucking tell me, mum. All right. Uh, <laughs> Verbatim from the script. But I also love the explanation here. Like, you're thinking like, oh, Jack was fooling around at the office. But it's basically like, Jack went on a mission. He came back a different man. So we separated. Your husband was suffering, suffering from PTSD. Support your husband. <laughs> She's just basically no. like, oh, he grew cold and distant and... Maybe I was to blame, but we separated. Uh, but now we're back together and things are okay. Like, does Jack Bauer just like, oh, my mission, I can't, I'm suffering. Honey, help me. Shut up, Jack, I'm busy. Oh, I'm going to leave you. Shut up, Jack, I'm busy. Comes back. I'm happy now. Yay, Jack's happy. Did you fuck anyone? No. Okay, <laughs> I'm happy. Not even I, Nina? Not even. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't, like... Uh, Terry feels like she just was not Poor Jack has come back And he was upset And you're just like He was distant Like Help him out <laughs> uh, So my problem with this Is actually something different And that's that Kim asks a very specific question Terry evades it No we don't need to talk about this Building it up Like oh this is gonna be good No mom I need to know Okay Remember when your dad Went on a trip Yeah a couple <laughs> years ago Okay He might have gone on a mission I can't confirm <laughs> He might have been alone. I can't confirm. When he came back, he was different. I can't tell you how. <laughs> I just wanted Kim to be like, cool story, mom. And then just turn away because she gives her nothing after building it up. Like, I'm going to give you the lowdown. <laughs> nothing. That's all it is. Like, it's, it's, it's not like, even a story. It's it just like, a setup for what's going to come later. It's earlier on in the season when, like, um, Aaron's talking to Palmer. And it's basically like, who are these people? We don't know, but there's a threat. Yeah. When's it going to happen? We don't know, but there's a threat. <laughs> like, doesn't know anything yet. Yeah. 
It's a good it's, point. It's, it's, as, as much as I love where this is all going to go with like the yeah. backstory with Palmer and uh, and Jack and the Drazens and everything, uh, you, you pointed out right there, this is the second time this season that they've tried to give us a tease and it's just sort of fell flat. Like I think a tease needs to be more than just, all right, something happened, but we don't know what. You, you need to tease something. Like it needs to be more than just your dad went on a, a, a trip. And I yeah. don't know if it was a mission, but he came back different. And- they both know that their dad or husband is a government agent. So it's like, yeah. uh, like, is oh, this the maybe- only time Jack's come back different from something? And like, he's only needed to go on one mission for a couple of weeks. Like generally missions yeah. are just a oh, overnight bag to San Diego. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of odd that he's like, Oh honey, Kim. Yeah. I'm going for training. Like if Jamie <laughs> was an agent and she's like, Hey honey, I'm going for training. I'm like, what's his name? Like, that's what you would be like. Yeah, if, if Mallory has to work 15-hour days and go up to Nanaimo or wherever she went. <laughs> yeah. Now, secretly, Mallory's actually a government agent. I'm not meant to She works for CSIS. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm now getting a CSIS and desist for saying that. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of odd. But then, like, Eli getting angry about his phone, bashing up Rick. Like, fucking Rick gets him beaten because he's trying to do that. He's a new um, guy. Yeah. Um, but then the phone starts beeping because it's on the right. Like, in all fairness, I'm surprised he didn't discover this earlier because it's like hanging over. You can see the aerial, like fucking hanging over the thing. Um, and, you know, phone beeps because phones beeped back in the day when they were running out of like power. Like, <laughs> did they? Um, it's like your whole thing about computers going when you type on a computer, right? Um, although I do love it when Eli's like, who did you call? Who is this? And like, this is the last voice you will hear if you heard. Oh, that was fantastic. That's, that's a great lie. That's fucking, I'm yeah. chilled there. I'm like, fuck, Jack, Jesus. Um, I love Rick and Eli just getting into another fight. Terry picks the phone up. Help me, help me, Jack. And then they don't get the trace. Uh, I do like Milo tracing this when it's basically like, oh, yeah, the, the closer we get, the longer it takes. Of course it does. Um <laughs> And like Eli storms out and um, Rick's all like, you know, like, oh, what you going to think if, um, you know, they find out it was on your phone. I And I actually always thought the ending of this episode was different. I thought there was a gun involved in the shooting, but that must be next week. Um, because the ending of this episode is Terry has a stomach flu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Worst cliffhanger ever. It's like, oh, I was like stomach. menstruation cramps. What but is it? But, but I'm like, hungry. Like, I do, I do remember watching this live and going, ooh, Terry getting raped. She got hurt. Like, I don't want to go back into that from last week, but, like, they're implying <laughs> that this essentially comes down to the fact that she was raped last week. Um, I don't know how rape works, but I don't know how it's <laughs> the stomach that hurts uh, unless oh, fucking Rick's... Where? Uh, not Rick and Eli's up there with he Dan. was doing it Tommy Wiseau style right into the belly button hey there you go uh or he's like Dan he's got a massive dong I don't know <laughs> but like this is again like your classic 24 red herring wheel oh you gotta believe something else but like this has got nothing to do with what just happened in the last episode and I also love when that storyline they imply it's got something it's like that doesn't come that quickly like uh <laughs> unlike Eli yeah anyway um <laughs> the point is this is a shitty cliffhanger um Janet, the, the, the tension of is Janet going to die? Better cliffhanger than Terry has a stomach cramp. Um, yeah, it's it's so bad that I was, you can see it coming usually. You, okay, this is the end of the episode. This is a cliffhanger. I was watching this and it ended. I'm like, what? It's over? Like, that's it? Like, I, I had no memory of this being a cliffhanger, but it is so bad. Uh, one thing that I did miss in my notes here, uh, we talk about fun timestamps here. 
Um, not that anything's off about it, but it was at uh, 9, 12 a.m. when Jamie died. Uh, rip, rip it was Jamie. at... Oh, she died, by the way. I didn't mention that. Uh, she yeah, she died. <laughs> or did she? We don't know. She died, dude. Um, 9, 18 is when they asked, uh, you know, how much longer would it take to trace the call? And they said 20 minutes. They've been on the phone for like the whole episode pretty much at this point. So... 12 minutes for Jamie to bleed out 38 <laughs> minutes by my count to trace a call. Uh, I don't know any call that's going to take 38 minutes to trace. Colin, it gets longer the, the closer you get. Like, come oh, on. of course. I mean, by that logic, they're still tracing the call right now, 20 they years are. later. They are. They are indeed. Uh, yeah, I should have probably mentioned that Jamie died. Um, that yeah. just phone call comes through. <laughs> Um, rip our first major character dead. Um, I guess uh, we'll generally eulogize our characters, but I mean, there's not nothing really to eulogize. Jamie is there, like she yeah. had a bit of a pouty face. She has a son <laughs> called Kyle. She does twice the work for half the pay. She needs to get over it. Jack trusted her. She liked what's his face. Walsh. Walsh. Um, that's about it. Jamie. Rip Jamie. Anything else on Jamie? No. Cool. Uh, uh, you married well, us. Just- <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, the, the one thing we could at least say is that Jamie's, her end is pretty iconic. Yeah. Uh, it is like, uh, as far as big shocking deaths go, I mean, we talked about the the fake death of Nina mm. as being one of those moments where it's just jaw dropping. Uh, I don't think that it's necessarily jaw dropping because Jamie's not a major character, but the way she dies, to be able to see that on network television, I mean, that was pretty shocking. I mean, to us, she kind of is a major character at that point. Like, I, I would yeah. argue Jamie has more screen time than Tony probably in the first, like, oh, yeah, many easily. episodes. So, um, you know, and, like, again, this isn't going to go into the levels of certain other characters who are going to die, but in, in, in our eighth season, when we get to all see, you know, live another day, legacy, whatever, and we're talking about iconic deaths... I mean, I, I would put Jamie's up there as a memorable, iconic death ahead of some of our other major characters that are going to die. Like, I'm thinking of some major characters yeah. that die, and I'm going, how did they die again? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how they died. Um, well, and, yeah. I mean, if, if if what you're talking about is the deaths themselves being memorable, like, I'll agree with you, because I'm thinking about two characters right now that are going to die uh, seasons four and five, I think. Uh, and I remember that they died, but I can't tell you how they died. Mm. You know, whereas, you know, even though I, I joked when this season started, I'm like, who's Jamie? And then it took me a minute. As soon as I flash back, I remembered the death. So uh, character forgettable, death at least memorable. Yeah. Um, and, and the actress, I got to say the actress who plays her, who's probably already been on the show by now. Um, <laughs> what, what an interview that was. Um, one of one of my Fantastic. favorites, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, Karina Ariyev. Sorry again if I'm butchering that. I mean, we talked about her last week, how good she was in that scene. Uh, I mean, she's 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 decent. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything else though. That's the thing. Like, I probably have. Was she on Law and Order SVU? Probably everyone. I mean, again, you and I have, <laughs> have been. So, um, I didn't we look her up once and she had been. Um, she's in. Oh, I'm looking in her up right now. Never watched it. Uh, um, NYPD Blue. Uh, touched she's by from an Columbia. Angel. She was on Law and Order, like normal Law and Order. No, she was on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I watched 2018. She? Oh, she was too. <laughs> she was on Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. Um, oh, clearly she is typecast as like Latino because she's like Sylvia Ramos, Rosa Fernandez, Carla well, Cordova. Again, as I said, she's from Colombia. It says so. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's typecast. Is Jamie Farrell the like, only like non-Latino yeah. stereotypical name that she's not played? 
Was her middle name Martinez or something? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, there's a demo reel available on IMDb. So there you go. Was she in Crash, was she? Because it says here... She was. She was Elizabeth in Crash. Oh, uh, good old Elizabeth. Don't I'm planning to her. watch Crash soon. I haven't watched in a while. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, there was another Dammit. Jack is up to five Dammits, by the way. I've written it on my uh, my notes here that I should mention that. Um, I've you know, got the official guide, which I haven't... Do you have something to add? Colin, you look like you're, you're itching in your seat. I look like it. I look... Oh, um, no, I was I was only going to say with the, uh, the, the Terry and Kim thing... Uh, as as much as we're kind of joking nothing happens the tension of everybody mm. being on the same phone call and her having to hide the phone constantly i mean every time that eli walks and where's my phone i don't know uh it is silly but it is the only tension we really get in this episode and strangely it works i mean just like last week the jamie tony and nina stuff worked i feel like in these very filler episodes what they do well is the the tension storyline, either the B storyline really ups their game. Whereas when Jack gets kind of slow, Terry and Kim and Tony and Nina, they're always there to pick up the slack. So uh, I really like the tension and yeah, the cell phone beeping. I mean, even, even though it is stupid, the cell phone beeps like that. I mean, the moment where it's like, oh, they just found the cell phone. Like, oh, that's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And like, this is why I think I'm not going to be in this episode when we get to that. It's like, it, there is stuff in here that like, I can enjoy. Like, it's like, I think of bins as like, oh my God, this is mainly bad. Like, even the stuff yeah. that you're kind of like, wow, like it's, it's, it's not a terrible episode of television in any means or, or 24. So, um, yeah. Um, I just looking here at the book. Uh, thanks again to uh, Tara DeLulo of 24 official guide season one season two um additional intel here's a someone for you colin actor eric balfour in brackets milo that's massive dong was also working on episodes of the series six feet under when he was shooting 24 a potential haircut for his six feet under character almost caused a continuity problem for 24 until producers on both shows worked out a compromise well Glad that got there. How's that phone? I want that dramatized into a movie. The the phone call, like, yeah, g'day, Larry. It's uh, Jim from Six Feet Under. How you going? Good. Yeah, we want to cut his hair. No, don't do it. Oh, okay. Uh, we can maybe wait an episode two. Okay, cool. Thanks. Enjoy twenty four. Enjoy Six Feet Under. Bye. Okay. Uh, now, the more important question is: Did they have to remove a mustache? <laughs> well, the CGI looked terrible, right? That's all people are going to talk about all the time. Maybe there'll be the Snyder cut of uh, twenty-four <laughs> episode nine a.m. to ten a.m. Uh, research files in this book is telling you about wireless tracing. Two thousand and one, the Federal Communications Commission (FCC) ordered wireless service providers to be able to deliver the cell phone user's number and cell site location information to a public safety agency. A cell phone's current position can be calculated by measuring the signal strength at a minimum of three cell base stations using tri- triangulation to calculate the approximate position of the user. Soon, GPS technology will become another tracking alternative to be implemented in cell... Oh, I can't wait for this to happen. The emergent <laughs> IEEE 802.11 wireless LAN, local area technology uh, network, technology is also fast becoming another viable tracking option. Yeah, when's GPS going to arrive in our phones? That might happen oh. one day. Come on. It'll be a glorious day when it does. It does. Uh, other trivia, the character Alberta Green is named for actresses Alberta Watson, whom show creator ah. Joel Cernow originally wanted to portray the role that eventually went to Tamara Tooney. An agent Watson And we'll see was, her. Uh, yeah, we will. Later of a phone call, blah, 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 blah. Jack's recap monologue is now different. I've got to mention that. Uh, he says, there are terrorists planning to assassinate a presidential candidate. My wife and daughter have been kidnapped. And the people, he mentions his wife this week, and the people I work with may be involved in both. I'm a federal agent, Jack Bauer. This is the longest day of my life. 
Um, apparently, the closed captioning shows the old monologue. Get with it. CCT, come on. Um, character of Ted Kofel is named after one of the producer's assistants, Anne Kofel. <laughs> Clearly, they must have liked her. Um, and at about five o'clock... Uh, oh, seven, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this 24-hour time. Like we're not nowhere near 5 o'clock. I'm guessing it means at the 17-minute mark of this episode. Note to Bauer's wife and daughter. When he asks you a question via cell phones, you can't hear you if you nod your head silently. That's not trivia. That's a snarky user, <laughs> like, going off at them. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, here's a, here's a fun little, like, this is a goof. This is, shouldn't be in trivia. This should be on a goofs. In this episode, CTU spent almost half an hour on an unsuccessful attempt to trace a phone call. However, in future seasons, phone call traces take less than a minute. It's called the future, user. Technology gets better. Like, what yeah. is that? Wow. Um, anything else? How do we want to rate this episode? Let's rate it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm giving away what I'm doing. I'm renting. Uh, it's going to be a low rent. And I'm probably going to actually put this as the lowest ranked episode of the season so far. So I'm going to put this at number 10 out of 10. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, again, forgettable. Very forgettable episode, give or take a couple of things. I mean, it's it's a shame to say it's forgettable because we arguably have a very important moment in this episode when it comes to mm-hmm. meeting a Drazen. So uh, very important uh, scene. And there's some okay stuff in this episode, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just like Sarah Clark this episode. I'm just like, eh, sure. So this will be my third bin of the season. Wow, um, Colin. <laughs> second in a row. But uh, as I said, I am going to rank this uh, higher than last week and uh, higher than episode four. Uh, same argument I made last week that um, this is, it's it's dull, but it's dull with some laughs in it. Whereas uh, I think episode four was definitely dull with a lot of dull in it. Uh, this one, it, I don't know why. I, I kind of enjoyed it more than last week, even though last week was definitely more drama-filled. But uh, I know it's going to get better next week. You know, it's funny, actually. My Tinder profile used to say dull, but at least a little bit funny. So, um, and now I'm married. <laughs> so, just pointing Somebody out bought it. They did, exactly. And now I met my wife. Um, next week, it is 10 a.m., to 11 a.m. And next week is a much better episode. I said before, we have one of the greatest uh, moments of this season. One of my favorite moments of 24. Uh, it is Jack at full Jack. Like, th- this is a scene where if you didn't get a clue about what Jack's like and what he can go from zero to a million in, like, five seconds, it's next <laughs> week. And I, I'm saying this right now, top five moment of this season. Like, I'm nominating it right now. I hope it makes the top, even if it makes number five. Like, it's such an epic, iconic moment. So good. Um, yeah. Can't wait for that. I think uh, Alan York's back next week. Kevin, uh, whatever his name is, um, the real life Alan York. Uh, he's back. So, yay. Um, but, yes, a much better episode. I mean, we're nearly at the halfway point of this season, so you know something big's coming. There's always something big happening around the uh, halfway point of the season to set us up for the second half. So, um, yeah, let's just say much better episode next week than ne- this week. Also, we should mention that uh, whether or not they knew it at the time they filmed this episode or not, but the show was conceived as, like, 12 or 13 episodes. So mm. for what they thought they could have had, you know, uh, bare minimum, this was nearing – like the end for them. So we're definitely getting the good stuff. And as you mentioned, the, the Jack moment, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, top five moments maybe in the history of the show. So oh. I'm, I'm excited for that. And excited for more Eli 
and cell phone drama. And I'm sure, we're going to get more of that. Uh, well, the, the cliffhanger that I thought happened this week actually happens next week. Like, and uh, Terry goes a bit Jack next week. So clearly, uh, she's a bit cold and aloof and distant after what's what's going to happen. Crampy. <laughs> oh, my stomach. Um, like, subscribe, do all the stuff that I'm about to tell you in the closing. Uh, we hope you're enjoying our coverage of 24. We're enjoying it, and that's all that matters. My name is Ben, and uh, fucking. <laughs> And my name is Colin. That was me nodding my head silently. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 